Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Blake Street Irregulars, your Colorado Rockies podcast by Mile High Sports. My name is Sean Drotar. Thank you for joining me. And as always, we're sponsored by Tap 14. Tap 14 at 1920 Blake Street is just a couple steps away. You can be there in seconds if you're out of Coors Field. It's right near the ballpark district, right in there. They have the best rooftop beer garden in town. 70 Colorado beers on tap, 100 distilled Colorado spirits, and a terrific menu. Chef Andrea Varela does a terrific job with that as well. And the views are second to none. Check them out at tap14.com. Spell it out tap14.com with me today is ronnie court a regular a guest on the show a guy that spends a lot of time in the rockies clubhouse uh, talking to the guys after the games and and getting the feel with his uh, pulse finger on the pulse if you will of the colorado rockies how are you doing ron i'm doing well yeah it's finally it's it's exciting to finally have them at home you know because it's been a while yeah really uh, up into this homestand two-thirds of their games on the season had been played on the road which for the Rockies, if you look at it in, in a certain way, is quite beneficial for them because they uh, find themselves in first place. They're still in first place, and you've played a road-heavy schedule. So uh, even though there have been some frustrations here and there, and even though the team is not dominating, only four games over five hundred at this point, they're still in a pretty enviable position. Well, look, you're going to play 81 at home. You're going to play 81 on the road. You play more road games so far. That means on the horizon, home games. It's a very good thing for Colorado, and look, I think uh, – Things are starting to figure themselves out. As as I said on the podcast a couple weeks ago, you did. This team will be fine, but I know we'll talk about it here. Yeah, you you were not the uh, the chicken little there. So far on the homestand for the Rockies, they have won four out of the six. That's a pretty good rate. You know, you'd love to have been able to sweep Cincinnati. I know all those sort of things, but uh, it's it's been pretty good. And the part that for me sticks out is the fact that this team's offense seems to be coming around, and not just because they're at home. They've actually been coming around week by week throughout the course of May. Yeah, and that's the crucial thing because, look, uh, we talked about this in a previous podcast. The, this team has kind of been flipped around. You know, uh, They weren't having home success. They were having road success. They were getting success with their pitching but not on their hitting. But they were hitting so bad in a way that you just didn't think that this was going to continue. Well, here comes the offense now, batting in the last uh, you know seven days, uh, hitting three thirty as a team basically. You know, last fourteen hitting in the upper two hundreds. You know, that's exactly where we think this team could be. I think maybe just a little bit more oomph to it, but. Other than that, you're starting to see more consistent at-bats from Carlos Gonzalez. We are starting to finally see Ian Desmond creep towards that 200 batting (laughs) average. Because, look, did you really think he was going to bat 150? Yes, the entire year. it sure looked like it. Yeah, <laughs> I, th- I thought I thought it was possible. Okay, maybe in Desmond's case, different <laughs> story. But certainly, you know, we've seen the potential of these guys, and it's not like any of these guys are completely over the hill and just, uh, you know, guys who are in the twilight of their career. They can still be productive at bats, and we are seeing it now starting to come around. The, the law of averages, if you want to call it, it's starting to balance in Colorado, and obviously with the home games combined too, uh, it's really playing in Colorado's favor. Yeah, and it's been very good of of late. But if you actually go back to May, the I should say the National League average, the Major League Baseball average, is a little bit higher than that. But the National League average team batting is two forty four, the AL's two forty eight, evens out at two forty six. So uh, it, that's a low number. That we know that the the strikeouts are are way up, walks are down, home runs are up. And we know that the offense is evolving very quickly. And some for the better and some for the worse in baseball. But but the truth of the matter is, the league average is 244. In May, 
the Rockies have hit 258 in the whole month. Again, most of those games also being on the road. So the, this turnaround is real. Uh, David Dahl has, has been in the 270s this month. Charlie Blackman uh, is maybe one of the guys dropping off. But in the 270s is not a disaster for Charlie. Carlos Gonzalez at 267. That's better. Even Trevor Story, uh, a low batting average guy, 257. Uh, that is better than I think what a lot of people expect. And Ian Desmond's been hitting over 200. Not that that's great, but it's better than the 150, so things are coming around. But for the Rockies, uh, it's been a, a pretty good month, and this is this is where it's kind of funny. I think for Rockies fans who look at it and say, all right, the, the bullpen hasn't been as dominant as hoped. Guys like Brian Shaw has not really panned out. Ian Desmond has not really panned out. DJ LeMayhew's been hurt. The team's batting average has been pretty lousy. All this, and they're still in first place. So uh, that plus the road schedule, you're basically looking at the Rockies uh, barring injury, knock on wood, finding themselves in about as tough a spot as as many things that can go wrong as you'd expect. That's all been happening. Yeah. And they're still in first. Well, look, I mean, you you tell me about all these different statistics, all these different trends that Colorado's been going through, some of the injuries that they faced earlier, a big one uh, just most recently in Adam Ottavino, and you give me all these numbers, but don't give me their record. I would have said they're five games under, probably close to 10, and yet still leading the NL West. And I know that doesn't really mean a lot because the NL West is not the juggernaut that we all thought it could be. Yeah, it is the worst yet. division in the NL. That's yeah. True. So, but regardless, you are still up there and you are still producing wins out of, you know, I'm not really sure how, because we, there was a stretch where we were like, okay, this team can't hit. This team isn't getting good starting pitching. Uh, the bullpen's starting to fall apart. So it's like, how are they constructing wins? And yet they still are. So it is, um, there is a silver lining in all that in the idea that th at some point the bats were going to come around, you know, and I know this is a running joke on Twitter and everybody wants to talk a cliche that you just knew that they were going to hit. It's true because we've seen these guys play better than what they have. And it was the way that they were playing. It was the swinging at strike three on the fourth pitch. That's completely out of the zone. That's not Carlos Gonzalez. That's not Ian Desmond. I mean, they are better guys than that. And and we still see a little bit more of a ceiling. I think Charlie's better than a 270 batting I average. Too. I mean, yeah. he's a far better hitter than that, you know? And then if you start to see a little bit more production in that five, and six hole now you're talking about pitchers needing to pitch to nolan arenado and you get dj lemayhew back healthy and all of a sudden this rockies lineup kind of gets back to where they were where uh, they were a strong part of the team and not a weakness if you carry on the continued pitching this is a this is a very good team. It's a very good team. It's just, it's a slow process. You got to have patience. And they're, they're getting a, a couple pleasant surprises. Noah Cuevas called up uh, not all that long ago has been hitting over 300 consistently since he uh, got to Denver. He's not a big power guy, but he's getting on base. He's doing the things that you want him to do. And so they're, they're getting a little more uh, punch there in the lineup and more flexibility when it comes to keeping guys like Carlos Gonzalez fresh or David Dahl healthy. Uh, things like that are, are still a big part of the, the season as it goes along. But let's move over to the pitching, whereas the Rockies uh, on the season are 10th in the NL in ERA as a team in May. But there are two players in particular that I want I want to look at that are having somewhat similar problems. We talked about Brian Shaw a little bit earlier. He's got a 4.97 ERA thus far in May, uh, which is actually a bit of an improvement. 
which is what's kind of scary. But Brian Shaw here has basically had a four to one strikeout to walk ratio. He's been striking out 11.4 guys per nine innings. So the stuff is there, clearly. John Gray, the, the Rockies' erstwhile ace here, they find him with a 5.57 ERA in May. That's been a disaster. But also a four-to-one strikeout-to-walk ratio, almost exactly, and he is striking out 11.4 guys per nine innings. Is it possible that some of the problems for these guys who have each given up uh, three home runs this season, the problem, of course, is that Gray, uh, that Gray has pitched almost three times as many innings as Shaw, could they be throwing too many strikes? Are they becoming predictable? Is that part of the problem? Well, I mean, certainly when it comes to a starting pitcher, you know, we always talk about how the book is out on a guy and they've got a counter, and that may be the case. And look, you know, John Gray is one of those very difficult-to-grasp type pitchers because, boy, there are times when you see him pitch and you can see it. You can see top of the line, top flight, uh, absolute bona fide star starter. And then there's, it just seemingly is that one inning where he run into. And, you know, I'm not sure if it's pitching to a contact type style that's plaguing him. I think it's mental. I think it's very much a mental situation, you know, Um, and and whatever it is, it, it may be that lack of killer instinct that John Gray has. I've said this on, uh, uh, on the radio at, on my high sports before, um, I, I, there are times where I think John Gray is too nice, uh, even in the locker room. When I'm in the locker room, for example, uh, if I want to talk to John Gray, he will talk to me at any point in time. There's some days where I almost want John Gray to look at me and say, like, no, I'm not going to talk to you today. Little bit of attitude, little bit of fire, little bit of a kind of a cockiness type to him because I think that's what may be lacking. And and I and I'm worried that he just doesn't have that to have that kind of that thing that takes over in an athlete. It's it's hard to describe. It's kind of this indescribable intangible that you have where I'm gonna throw my best pitch, I'm gonna throw it right by you, you're not gonna hit it, and I'm gonna get the out. And I really wonder if Gray has that. It's funny when you look at how the way these these circumstances can draw out some very different perspectives on it. I, I talked about it this morning on on the radio Mile High Sports, and and I see the same things you're seeing. But my takeaway is completely different. I, I don't think it's necessarily a lack of killer instinct that's the problem. I think that quite frankly, John Gray cares a lot so much that he's maybe pressing that he's putting more weight on himself than he needs to put on himself. He has still got a winning record in the month. He's 3-2 and two on the month. I look at it as maybe not saying he's not tough enough, but maybe he's too tough on himself, that he's putting too much weight on himself. He's so intent on basically going out there and being perfect because he thinks he should be perfect, and then when he's not, it rattles him a little bit. And I will say this. This is not a knock on John Gray because he's still a very good pitcher. Um, oh, and, and I think and he's going to develop. There are a hundred pitchers in the major leagues that, that act the way you talked about. There are a hundred that act the way I talk about. It's not out of the ordinary either. It's merely understanding for gray. What is the best mindset to take into the game? In, in his latest game, the game, they lost to the, uh, the giants just last night. As we record this, another bad outing for him. He came out after the game and said, absolutely horrible, bad mindset. I take a look at that and say, he's right, but not the way he thinks he is. Part of the fact, I think the the, the absolutely horrible, okay, I, I get that. But again, that, that strikes me as a guy who's being way too hard on himself. 
And so that makes him vulnerable when he makes a mistake because then uh, you give up a home run. It happens. Max Scherzer gives up home runs. Clayton Kershaw gives up home runs. Justin Verlander gives up home runs. The, the question is, what happens after you do that? And in, in Gray's case, I think he's so concerned about being perfect that then he's, he's doubling down to get the next guy. Almost like if you're a golfer and you hit a bad shot, the truth of the matter is just swinging at harder on the next shot doesn't give you a better chance sure. of success. It makes it worse. And I think that maybe, uh, to my mind, is what Gray is experiencing. And well, it's, it's more of a matter of letting go than necessarily being tougher. And and you may be exactly right, and I want to bring up a pitcher. Uh, I know we're kind of getting away from Brian Shaw here, but but quickly, uh, Kyle Freeland is a guy who doesn't have special stuff. Okay, it's well, pretty I, I, I good. Don't, I don't want to. Say, yeah, that may be. Yeah, but it doesn't. It doesn't leap back. off the page. It, it doesn't. It doesn't wow you as like, oh my god, this is insane. But Kyle Freeland has a mental mindset. That is so strong because Kyle Freeland does give up homers, and and we just saw in his last start he's also uh, given up, up three. Uh, yep, uh, the, those solo shots, but then he goes right back to work. It's like nothing ever happened, you know. Like a like a good closer, you just it, you you just uh, forget about what just happened, and you continually move forward. And I almost feel like that if you could take Kyle Freeland's mindset and add it with John Gray's stuff you'd be like creating this super pitcher because I feel like everything that's plaguing John Gray right now is between the ears. Now, even with what John Gray's dealing with, maybe it is that putting too much pressure on himself because he, he is, you know, maybe unfairly been dubbed the ace solely because he's pitched a year longer than maybe these other guys. Um, but certainly in the event where, you know, John Gray has to start to show at least consistency where he doesn't get absolutely blown up. You know, those are the starts that that really bother me. You know, you don't have to go out and pitch seven innings, uh, one run ball every single start. But you can't have two and a third, six innings where you walk four guys. You know, and I've been a big John Gray supporter. You can't walk in two runs. That is absolutely inexcusable. So uh, certainly mentally right now, I think that's that's a big problem for John Gray. You hope he turns it around, but uh, maybe uh, almost a relief for John Gray may do him good. You know, kind of take that pressure off and knowing that, you know what, he doesn't have to be that guy who has to absolutely throw gems every single night in and night out. Although I kind of feel like he can do that. It's just trying to find that way to... to it, it, to, to, to release him from that pressure. And, and maybe this kind of falls on you know, Steve Foster, Buddy Black, to, to try to, um, in some way, maybe in their past experiences, apply that to Gray to where he can pitch better. Gray has now uh, been the starter in three of the Rockies. In, in th they've lost three of the four starts that he's made. His last four starts, the Rockies have sure. lost three games. In those losses, however, he's walked a grand total of five guys. So th this, again, speaks to the idea that you're right. It's a little bit between the ears. It's not, this is not a control problem for John Gray because during that, span, that same span in those three games when he's walked five guys, he has uh, struck out 19. So that's, again, not a, that's almost a five-to-one strikeout-to-walk yeah. ratio. The, the stuff is there. The swing-and-miss stuff is there. All of that's there. The, the problem is what happens when you do make a mistake, when you do get batted around. And, and I think Gray needs to let that go. One of the... Uh, ideas behind it, you'll you'll sometimes hear infielders talk about that when they go try to calm a pitcher down. They'll tell them, look, there's there's seven of us behind you. 
there's a reason. We're here to catch it when they hit it. By the way, it's one going of to the happen. Better infields defensively in the MLB too, behind John Gray. Right, and and that's that's some of what I think he has to trust. To not take the whole weight of the game on himself. Doesn't have to go out there and be. Uh, and maybe you're right about the idea of an ace. Maybe he he hears that and says, "Oh, I'm the team ace. I have to be Max Scherzer." No, you don't need to be Max Scherzer. You need to just be John Gray, and you need to relax and accept the fact that you're not going to be perfect every game, and that's okay, too. And look, I will say this. Uh, Gray has appeared in, in what, 70 games this year or uh, uh, in his career. Uh, this is not a guy who has a huge track record as a pro. This is a guy who is still learning. Let's remember, it took about 150 starts for a guy by the name of Zach Granke to become the stud that he was. And he was Up uh, until uh, then, very he inconsistent. Was very inconsistent. Yep. So let's not just say he's having a bad year in John Gray. This guy is never going to be anything. This is a guy who's still growing, and I'm not even really sure if I can throw in his first 10 starts because it was his first year he was still experiencing uh, life as a major league pitcher he was he, he was brought in a little bit later so it's like this guy has 60 starts under his belt so while you know we are being very critical i think it is uh, it is a good thing to remember that while he's not a rookie he's not an aged vet either too and that it's going to take time for this guy to build into the stud that we think he can be if he can be that, but I think it starts with the mental side. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's what it is because the bright side is he's not hurt. The stuff is good. I mean, he's still got swing and miss stuff, and he's not walking guys. Uh, the, the, time, the unfortunate timing of a couple of them, yes, that's true, but on the whole, he's not walking guys. So this is the, the nature of baseball today, and you have to accept the fact that everybody's trying to lift the ball out of the park for better or worse, and they're going to get you every once in a while. Uh, Kyle Freeland in basically the same amount of innings in May as John Gray has given up the same number of home runs as well, and doesn't have the same swing and miss stuff as Gray. But you're right. The difference is that Freeland bounces back and basically says, all right, I'll just get him the next but time. But again, he has that mental mindset. And, and, and again, I don't want to divert towards Freeland Well, all mindsets bit, are still- mental. Sure. There you go. That is true. Yes. I'm not a I'm not a very bright guy mentally, but uh you know and 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 again, looking for that fire inside somebody. I do kind of want to see that from John, you know. Uh when John is pulled after a bad start, I kind of want to see him put his glove over his mouth and shot a bunch of you know what's because he's pissed off. That's what I see some from Kyle Freeland. And I like that fire. I like that. You know, I I like that that attitude that that I, you know, I'm pissed off and I feel personally affected by it. And I'm not saying John doesn't feel that way. Just I don't know if that's that's the kind of guy he is where he displays it on his sleeve that, you know, that may be a good or a bad thing for a pitcher. I've always liked it in a pitcher. Maybe other people say And otherwise. it depends on the personality of the guy. We saw Nolan Arenado, for example, and I know he doesn't pitch, but uh, basically take his frustrations out on a basically a big tub of gum. And the part of what, what the reason, you know, he talked about it and, and uh the idea is you just you kind of blow up, and then it's gone. Yeah, you released it. Now we're just all right. We're gonna go back and get it tomorrow. I go back at it, and, and may, maybe nature. maybe Gray is holding on to these, and maybe he's taking last start into his next start, and that's something that you can't do. And yeah. I, and I understand that for players in virtually every sport, it's a risk, and, and some of that is just as you pointed out, it hasn't started that many games. Some of this is a maturation process. As long as he is healthy, as long as he is still throwing, but the the kind of stuff that he has, I have to believe that he's going to get to work out. But uh, you bring up Kyle Freeland, and justifiably so, four and one in May, a two point five six ERA. 
He's been fantastic. So uh, Freeland taking his step forward. Uh, Herman Marquez, who had a really bumpy April, by the way, his ERA 3.34 in April. So this team is coming along and really all the ways you expect. It's just that it's it's happening slower than I think anybody wants it to happen. And maybe that's why some of the trepidation for Rockies fans uh, is still out there. But the truth of the matter is if the Rockies are to make the playoffs, if they're to make the wild card or even to somehow win the NL West, they're not going to do it by lapping the field. This isn't going to be a Houston Astros situation where you win by no. 14 games. They're going to sneak by. This is going to be tight all year. So as long as you're still seeing the improvement, there's a lot of reasons to be excited. But again, this is a team, too, that is learning to be in the position that they're in. Because this is the first time that this is a team that we almost expect them to make the playoffs. You know, when we... Uh, and this would really on, be the first season I think you could ever say that about the Colorado Rockies. Yeah, yeah. Even following, the, wor- even following the World Series year, I think it, it, it happened so fast that the expectations didn't build. And I think the people understood that it was a little fluky. Teams yeah. don't win that many, even the, the great teams on the string along together. Baseball has that from time to time. But this, to me, feels like the first season in Rockies history where the expectation from day one is make the playoffs. Yes. This in 25 years, they've never experienced anything and, like and this it before. And is, is, it is interesting to see how this pressure affects the team now because last year was kind of a, hey, we're the young kids on the block. We don't know what we're doing. We're just going to kind of go out there and play ball. Now there's an expectation. So uh, that may be building some of the frustration. That may explain uh, some of the outbursts from Nolan Arenado. You know, the charging the mound. You mentioned it earlier, destroying the gum, although he did make men's with uh, that gum uh, on yes, Twitter. He apologized yes, he to it on Twitter. Yes, he did. So, uh, it, look, it, overall, though, again, I think if you listen to this whole entire podcast, you kind of think, well, good God, this team has got to be, what, 10 games under 500? And yet they're, what, four or five games over, still in first place in the NL West. And this is a team where if they start to figure out these small little details, the big thing is going to take care of itself. And this is a team where in a division right now this year, the NL West is up for grabs. And it doesn't appear like this is going to be a, a year where the Dodgers just run away with it, a la Houston Astros. But they're not going to fall apart you know, entirely. But either. they're not too much too. talent. Exactly. So it's going to be a dogfight. We'll see if Colorado can live up to that expectation. And you know, I like to think that this is the growing up year. This is the year for Colorado to put the big boy the the big boy pants on and say. You know, maybe we won't win the division, but we're going to meet our expectation this year, and that's make the playoffs. And we're going to be a team that come October, you may not want to face us because we're the young upstart group pitching wise. We still got the lethal bats uh, in the lineup, and and a team that can finally start to deliver consistent winning baseball in Colorado. Pressure can do two things. It can break you into a million pieces or it can harden you into a diamond. And for the Rockies, we won't have to wait too long to find out what they do because starting tomorrow on the 1st of June, the Dodgers come into town for a three-game week and set. The Dodgers find themselves three and a half games behind the Rockies for first place. So this series is big. These are the ones you almost call them uh, the, the two-game games uh, because the swing can be that massive. So for the Rockies, they will get an immediate chance to get right and then to basically prove that this is something they can handle. It will be fascinating to see. We'll be back uh, next week at the moment. Doug Ottawill, editor-in-chief of My Life Sports Magazine, is set to join me. Uh, we will have a new magazine that to talk about then, as well as this terrifically important series 
with the Dodgers to look at as well. So Ronnie, you can find Ronnie, by the way, at Ronnie K Radio on Twitter, and uh, you can catch him on air as well at Molly Sports Radio in Denver locally or streaming over the internet on the, on the website or through the app. Yeah, and also on the podcast too, our Broncos Blitz podcast. You know, we have these, We have, it's cool here because at Molly Sports, we have one podcast dedicated to one team. You, of course, hosting the Rockies. I host the Broncos, so it's, it's kind of cool to be able to combine uh, expert heads yeah, and, and expert and, mental heads. And I cameo on that one from time to there time you as go. well. So uh, all sorts of opportunities and options for you to catch up with all the teams uh, here on Mile High Sports. I want to thank our sponsor one more time, Tap 14, 1920 Blake Street. Uh, before the Rockies game, after the Rockies game, hey, if you don't have tickets during the Rockies game, that's okay. You can watch the game up there from their rooftop beer garden. Best spot in town. I absolutely love it. You'll catch me there uh, more than a few times this summer. 70 Colorado beers on tap, over 100 distilled Colorado spirits. Everything is Colorado. Perfect for you Colorado Rockies fans. Check them out at tap14.com. Spell it out, tap14.com. For Ronnie Court, I'm Sean Drotar. You can follow me at SDrotar on Twitter if you'd like, or, you know, just to remind me of what to talk about next podcast, or tell me that I'm not doing it right and I'm crazy and we should have Ronnie talk about it more because I don't know what to talk about pitching. Uh, because I remember pitching when I was younger, and um, it's entirely possible. Well, I was never right. good at pitching, so I was... Uh, I pitched one game in Little League, and I beamed two kids, and that was really? it. Really? Yeah. Quick story. I wanted to be a pitcher so bad, I couldn't pitch at all. Uh, I was too sporadic, so I said, okay, coach, what what do I need to do? I want to do anything just to be on the mound, so I became a catcher, because nobody wanted to play catcher. <laughs> Tools of I was run over like say. nine times. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've grown up since then. They wouldn't do it now. They wouldn't do it now. I'm going to bet on you. For Ronnie, I'm Sean. This has been the Blake Studio Regulars on Mile High Sports.